You're listening to a podcast from Reality Honolulu. For more information or ways to get involved in the life of the church, visit realityhonolulu.com. Thanks for listening. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. What I wanted to do right now was read the accounts of the crucified, the crucifixion. What I've done is I've put all four gospel accounts into one account. And so it gives a further, you know, more details, a further picture, greater picture of what our Lord went through and all its detail and all its passion. I have it on the PowerPoint up here. I'm just going to read it. It's going to be a little longer than one gospel account. But why don't you allow the word of God to wash over us right now? The governor's soldiers took Jesus into the hall within the court, which is the praetorium, and gathered the whole garrison together against him. They stripped him. They put a scarlet robe on him. They braided a crown of thorns and put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they kneeled down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spat on him. They took the reed and struck him on his head. And bowing their knees, they worshipped him. When they had mocked him, they took the purple robe off of him and put his clothes on him and led him away to crucify him. They came to a place called Calvary, which is called in Hebrew Golgotha. That is to say, the place of the skull. It was the third hour and they crucified him. There were two robbers crucified with him, one on the right hand and one on the left. And Jesus in the middle. So the scriptures were fulfilled, which says he was numbered with transgressors. And Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Then the soldiers, when they had crucified Jesus, took his garments and made four parts for every soldier apart and also the coat. Now the coat was without seam, woven from top throughout. And they said to one another, let's not tear it, but cast lots for it to decide whose it will be that the scripture might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, which says, they parted my garments among them. For my cloak, they cast lots. Therefore, the soldiers did these things and they sat and they watched him there. Pilate wrote a title also and put it on the cross up over his head. And this was the accusation written against him. This is Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews, The people stood watching. Those who passed by blasphemed him, wagging their heads and saying, Ha, you who destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. If you are the son of God, come down from the cross. Likewise, the chief priests also mocking with the scribes, the Pharisees and the elders said, He saved others, but he can't save himself. If he's the king of Israel, let him come down from the cross now. And we'll believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God deliver him now if he wants him. For he said, I'm the son of God. He saved others. Let him save himself. If this is Christ of God, his chosen one. The soldiers also mocked him, coming to him and offering him vinegar and saying, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. The robbers also were crucified with him, cast on him the same reproach and insulted him. Now from the sixth hour, there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. 
About the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is translated, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Some of them who stood there when they heard it said, is this man calling Elijah? After this, Jesus, seeing that all things were now finished and that the scripture might be fulfilled, said, I'm thirsty. Now a vessel full of vinegar was set there. So immediately one of them ran, took a sponge, filled it with vinegar, put it on a reed of hyssop and gave him to drink by holding it to his mouth. The rest said, let him be. Let's see whether Elijah comes to save him and take him down. When Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, Jesus cried again with a loud voice saying, it is finished. Then Jesus, crying with a loud voice, said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Having said this, he bowed his head, yielded up his spirit, and breathed his last breath. Behold, the sun was darkened, the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to the bottom, the earth quaked and the rocks were split, the tombs were opened, and many bodies of the saints who had fallen asleep were raised. And coming out of the tombs after his resurrection, they entered into the holy city and appeared to many. Now the centurion and those who were with him watching Jesus, when they saw this, that he cried out like this and breathed his last. And when they saw the earthquake and the things that were done, they feared exceedingly and glorified God, saying, truly, this man was the Son of God. Certainly, this was a righteous man. All of this, all of this happened for you and for me and all of fallen creation. God, in the flesh, went through all of this for every single one of us. Every detail of this account is a vivid communication. All the pain, all the humiliation, all the sorrow, all the mocking and the insults in a very public, shaming way was done solely out of love. Everything speaks of it. Every detail, every moment, every aspect of this account speaks to and communicates that everything was done out of a place of love. This kind of love is is unbelievable. It's incomprehensible. It's unfathomable that God would do this for us. The God of the universe would look down at sinful, fallen humanity and send what was most precious to him to die such a vividly brutal public death. And we know this was from out of love. We know this to be true from what the book of Romans tells us. Romans 5, 6 through 11 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? 
For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? Not only this also, but also boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. This is why Friday is good. This is why this is good. Because if you, if you don't know this, if you don't know the purpose on why Jesus died, and the reason why we would retell it, it would, it would seem like a very morbid Friday. It seems weird to do. To recall someone's death and every detail of someone's death, usually you don't speak of that. Someone passes away, you only talk about the good things, what happened. You never talk about the details of what actually happened in their death. But the reason why we do so is that every single detail communicates God's love to humanity. And that's why what may seem like a morbid Friday now turns into a perfect demonstration of love shown to a rebellious, unworthy, and undeserving people. That's why it's good. It's good because of what Christ did on our behalf. It's good news because our Savior died, and this good news is for the whole world. His death paid for our death, and His life paid for our life. So that we wouldn't have to. So that we weren't the ones that had to pay for the penalty of sin. Christ did it for us on our behalf. Some would say the greatest thing that you could ever do for someone is take a bullet for them. Right? Stand in the line of fire. Jump in front of a car. Christ did that and more. He gave his life for the world so that we could have not only life abundantly, but life eternal. And he paid for the sin, the debt of sin that we accrued. He didn't do anything. We did it all. But what he did was he exchanged our sin for his life. John 15, 13 would say, there is no greater love than to lay down one life for one's friends. That is what Jesus Christ did for the whole world. He paid the price for our sins. Our debt that we accrued, he paid it. And what we're gonna do right now is we're gonna continue to worship God for this great unconditional love that he has extended to us in his son. And the way in which we do this, that we'll do this, we'll sing, we'll praise, but we also are going to take communion. And the day before the cross, at dinner, Jesus sat with his disciples at the Last Supper, the Passover meal. And what Jesus did in that moment was he instituted communion. Communion is not something the church made up. It's not something that, that we made up. It's Jesus Christ himself taking the wine and taking the bread at that final meal and saying, as often as you do this, as you take communion, do it in remembrance of me. When you take the bread, when you break it, when you hold it in your hand, Remember that my body was broken for you upon the cross. I was mocked and beaten and scourged and 
the crown of thorns, everything's supposed to impact us. The bread is supposed to be a symbol of what Christ did on the cross. And as you take that bread and as you dip it into the juice, you remember his blood that was spilt on our behalf. His blood that was paid for our sin. His life that was paid for our life. And so tonight, as we continue on in worship, I want to encourage us to sit in that for a little bit. I know for most of us, we've taken communion. We've done this before. But we have communion right here. And during these first few songs, I want us to sit in that a little bit. That's okay. To sit in the sacrifice of what Jesus did on our behalf. To let it sink in. Let it resonate. To pause. To stop. And praise Him. And we're going to transition from there into some more worship. But let's do that. Let's make the most of this. Let's encounter Christ. Let's remember what Christ did on our behalf tonight. Father God, we praise you for the cross. We thank you for your sacrifice of sending your son to die on our behalf and all that it entailed. As your people that have been saved and redeemed and rescued and redeemed. We want to remember. We want to remember your sacrifice and the price you paid on our behalf. And we pray that it would move us tonight into deep, heartfelt worship and praise. You're the only one worthy of it. You are worthy of our praise and of our lives and of our adoration because of the cross. We get all the praise and all the glory as we take this time. So again, feel free to come up at any time and take communion and spend the rest of our time worshiping our God. <laughs>